Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. At least five people are dead after a shooting in Louisville, Kentucky. The gunman attacking people at a bank where he used to work. In the Taiwan Strait today, China completing a series of simulated airstrikes in response to the Taiwan president's trip to the U.S. What Taiwan says in response as U.S. allies weigh in on tensions in the region. And we examine China's reaction to Trump's indictment and some of the broader implications for the U.S. in the context of shifting global dynamics. The United States spying not only on its enemies, but also on its allies, according to 50 alleged classified documents that were leaked online. We take a closer look. President Biden saying he plans on running for re-election in 2024. What he says about the timing of an official announcement. And more drama over the expulsion of Democratic state lawmakers in Tennessee. The Nashville City Council votes to reappoint one of the ousted legislators to his seat. At least five people are dead and three are in critical condition after a shooting at a bank in Louisville, Kentucky this morning. Louisville police spoke to local media about the details of the shooting. At 8.38, there's a report of shots fired at Old National Bank. Officers were on scene within three minutes. The suspect shot at officers. We then returned fire and stopped that threat. The suspect is deceased. The four victims were identified as 63-year-old Tommy Elliott, 64-year-old Jim Tut, 40-year-old Josh Barrick, and 57-year-old Juliana Farmer. Kentucky's Governor Andy Bashir said one of them was his close friend. Police shot and killed the shooter, 23-year-old Connor Sturgeon, a former employee of the bank. Nine people were hospitalized with injuries, including two police officers. One of the officers was shot in the head and is in critical but stable condition. Police said the shooter appeared to be acting alone and used a rifle. He also live-streamed the shooting online. Our hearts go out to the family and friends of the victims in that shooting, and we'll keep you updated on it as any new information comes out. Next, we'll look abroad to China, whose military says it's ready to fight. It declared its readiness on Monday after three days of simulated strikes around the island of Taiwan. The drills started a day after Taiwan's president returned from a trip to the U.S. She's vowed to not give in to the pressure. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. After three days of large-scale military drills around Taiwan, China's military declared on Monday that it's ready to fight. The drills began on Saturday, a day after Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen returned from a trip to the U.S. China had previously threatened retaliation over a meeting between Tsai and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. The meeting highlighted U.S.-Taiwan ties. Chinese Foreign Ministry spokesperson Mao Ning said on Thursday that the meeting violated China's sovereignty and that China would take resolute and strong measures to defend it. Taiwan's defense ministry said on Sunday the drills had destabilizing effects. This time, President Tsai's visit became their excuse to conduct exercises, and their actions have severely jeopardized the security of the surrounding region. 
The exercises simulated sealing off the island and firing missiles from land, sea and air into Taiwan. China sees the island as a breakaway province to be annexed by force if necessary. But Tsai said Taiwan will not back down. We showed the international community that in the face of pressure and threats, Taiwan will be even more united and will absolutely not yield to suppression. House Representative Mike Gallagher told Fox News on Monday the U.S. should not be intimidated. This is what President Tsai of Taiwan calls cognitive warfare. It's coercion, it's bullying, it's designed to get us to back down, to collapse the will of the Taiwanese to resist Chinese Communist Party. French President Emmanuel Macron warned Europe not to follow America's lead on Taiwan. After meeting with China's leader Xi Jinping last week, Macron said in an interview with Politico that the worst thing would be to think that we Europeans must become followers on this topic and take our cues from the U.S. agenda and a Chinese overreaction. In response, Gallagher said Macron's comments were embarrassing. They were disgraceful and also play right into the CCP strategy, which is to divide America and Europe. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen, who joined Macron for the meeting, said stability in the Taiwan Strait is of paramount importance and that the use of force is unacceptable. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And as the Chinese Communist Party makes moves to upset the status quo, whether it's with Taiwan or talks with Macron or Iran and Saudi Arabia, the communist regime has not taken its eyes off its biggest rival, the United States. Chinese state media were quick to highlight former President Trump's indictment as a sign of extreme political polarization and America's decline. Could those legal proceedings, which critics say are a thinly veiled attempt to oust a political opponent, create a vacuum where the U.S. once clearly led the free world. Here to break it down with his analysis is Alex Newman, award-winning journalist, Epic Times contributor, and the CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media. I spoke with him earlier today. Alex Newman, welcome to our show. Thanks for coming on again. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Now, critics of Trump's indictment worry that it will undermine the U.S.'s position as a bastion of democratic values worldwide. How do you see it? I think that's a very real concern. Uh, this, this looks more and more like a banana republic, as many critics have put it. Um, and this is very typical of what you see in undeveloped uh, nations with uh, governments that are notorious for corruption. Now, that's not to suggest that uh, any president or former president should be above the law. But what we're seeing here with this indictment, uh, numerous legal experts I've spoken with, including Alan Dershowitz, a very strongly um, anti-Trump uh, liberal Democrat, have said that this indictment is a total joke. Uh, this was uh, an effort to find a crime and then pin it onto an individual. And so uh, I think this really damages America's image on the world stage. And I think it, it's, uh, you know, it, it may be difficult to recover from this unless something is done soon. Now, Chinese state media have seized upon Trump's indictment, saying that it's proof that the American political system is dysfunctional. And Xi Jinping has been pushing a strategic narrative that justifies world governance and the surveillance state as a more successful alternative. Do you think these developments could be cause for concern? Uh, they're absolutely cause for concern. Uh, the, the communist China, the communist Chinese dictatorship, uh, and its allies in the United States, by the way, I think the fifth column in Washington, D.C., uh, in New York, and other 
significant places, uh, is a key player in all of this. But this really does give an opening for Xi Jinping and his acolytes and other governments around the world to say, look, the United States is a banana republic. They can't be trusted. It's a dysfunctional system. Uh, they've been doing this for well over a decade, pointing to uh, political problems that we have, debates in Congress, things like this, and, and uh, pointing to that as evidence that the United States is out of control and that it can't be trusted. Uh, that's not to say that there's no truth to the allegation, but it is definitely a very nefarious to see uh, one of the most murderous dictators on the planet exploiting this chaos uh, for the purpose of expanding his own power and further discrediting the United States. And the CCP has been flexing its muscles lately, expanding its global diplomatic ties as well as its aggression towards Taiwan. Do you see these as signs that the regime is making some substantive gains in its efforts to create a world with multipolar powers? Uh, it is. And, you know, I would say the biggest uh, contributor to this trend away from what they call the unipolar world order to the multipolar world order uh, is the fifth column in the United States. I mentioned it earlier. Now, there, there are organizations in the United States, very powerful organizations that for well over a decade have been openly calling for a shift toward a multipolar world order. In fact, many of these people served in the Barack Obama administration and are serving to this day in the Joe Biden administration. Uh, I've written about this extensively for the Epic Times. In fact, I just spoke a few days ago with Kevin Moley, who was the uh, Assistant Secretary of State for International Organizations at the State Department. And he said, what's happening here is you have a bunch of people within the U.S. State Department that support the idea of communist China playing a greater and greater role within the global governance system, within the United Nations, within the architecture of uh, international institutions. And so when you have the communist Chinese working on this and their allies in the U.S. State Department and the Biden administration working toward this, uh, it's a recipe for disaster disaster in terms of the power, the prestige, the might, and the influence of the United States on the world stage. And given Trump's current situation, the indictment, other legal woes, and a primary coming up, what do you think should be done to ensure that the U.S. doesn't imperil its standing as the leader of the free world? Well, as we saw in 2016, things can turn around very rapidly. Uh, when Trump entered the presidency, um, it didn't just hit the pause button on this trend toward a multipolar world order, toward the diminution of the United States. It actually reversed the process very, very quickly. Uh, we went from importing massive amounts of energy to suddenly becoming uh, not only self-sufficient, but a net exporter of energy. We became energy independent for the first time since the Eisenhower administration. Uh, jobs were everywhere. The economy was roaring. So these types of things can be turned around very very, very quickly, but it will require a shift in the political landscape in Washington, D.C., uh, and that's going to require the involvement of Americans who right now, unfortunately, are very divided. Um, they're, they're looking at each other as the problem. But uh, I do believe this can be turned around. Whether it will be or not, that remains to be seen. But it certainly can be turned around, and that can happen very, very rapidly if the political will is there. All right. Alex Newman, award-winning journalist and CEO of Liberty Sentinel Media. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. House Judiciary Chair Jim Jordan has subpoenaed FBI Director Christopher Wray. He's seeking information in connection with an FBI memo, now withdrawn, that discussed ways to infiltrate Christian churches and Catholic parishes. The memo, obtained by Jordan and Representative Mike Johnson last month, showed that the FBI planned to use local religious organizations as new avenues for routing out white supremacists. It came from an FBI field office in Richmond, Virginia. It discussed meeting with church leaders to review what it called the warning signs of radicalization and to ask those leaders to tip off the FBI. 
Ray himself has condemned the memo, saying it does not reflect FBI standards. Jordan said Americans should be able to worship without worrying about FBI informants among the congregation. And speaking of espionage, the U.S. is apparently not only gathering intel on its enemies, but also on its allies. NTD's Jason Perry takes a closer look at the latest leak of classified documents, which appear to be from the Pentagon. The United States may have a lot of explaining to do after over 50 alleged classified documents were leaked online. A source close to Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky told CNN that Ukraine has already altered some of its military plans because of the leak. Retired Army Major Mike Lyons said this. I'm having a hard time getting my head around this. I mean, if there's 50 classified documents, there's 50 separate stories that are going to impact on the ground in Ukraine right now. The fact that they gave away their air defense platforms and where those locations were, the fact troop movements, uh, they're talking about artillery rounds. We all know that Ukraine is running out of artillery. So the le this level of, of breach is significant. But when taking a closer look, the documents also show the United States is spying on its allies, including Israel. We recently reported on the protest in Jerusalem over possible judicial reform. Will the alleged classified documents indicate that Israel's main intelligence agency, the Mossad, which is similar to the CIA, encouraged those protests? The Mossad later released a statement saying, the Mossad and its senior officials did not and do not encourage agency personnel to join the demonstrations against the government, political demonstrations, or any political activity. And another alleged secret document shows the detailed conversation between two leaders of allied country South Korea. They were discussing how to supply weapons to Ukraine because it would go against South Korea's policy of not supplying lethal aid to countries at war. And according to the document, one of the South Korean officials said they could get around the policy by first selling the weapons to Poland. A South Korean lawmaker later responded to the leak. We strongly regret that the top U.S. intelligence agency had been illegally spying on allies like our country. We strongly demand a thorough investigation and urge that similar incidents do not occur. And the deputy spokesperson for the U.S. Department of State, Vidant Patel, says they are speaking with those who were affected by the leak. These engagements are ongoing. They're happening across the interagency. They're happening at the highest levels, uh, and we're doing so with our allies. The U.S. Department of Defense has referred the leak to the Department of Justice for a criminal investigation. Jason Perry, NTD News. Escalating tensions in the Middle East. The Israeli military said they attacked targets in Syria. This after rockets were launched from Syria toward Israel. A Palestinian militant group loyal to the Syrian government claimed responsibility for the six rockets fired from Syria. One of the rockets landed in the Golan Heights, but no casualties were reported. This was a rare attack from Israel's northern neighbor. The Israeli Air Force said they used fighter jets and a drone to target the rocket launchers and Syrian army sites early Sunday. And Syria said the strikes caused damage to their facilities. Tensions have been escalating between Israel and its neighbors in recent days. Palestinian terrorist groups have fired rockets at Israel from Lebanon and the Gaza Strip, causing Israel to respond with further airstrikes. And back home, President Biden gives fresh hints about his re-election bid. NTD's Iris Tao has more from the White House on a potential 2024 announcement. 
Ahead of the White House annual Easter egg roll on Monday, President Biden reaffirmed that he plans on running again in 2024. But he says he's not ready yet to make an official announcement. Watch. Will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least three or four more? Maybe, maybe, maybe five. Maybe five? <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> six. So, what the hell? Are I, you? I, well, I, I plan on running now, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. The 80-year-old president has been saying for months that he intends to run again, but the timeline for an official announcement has repeatedly slipped. Here's what he told me when I asked him in March. Biden, when you. will you announce your re-election bid? When I tell you. Biden's advisors have said that he plans to wait until after March. But White House aides told the Associated Press that Biden would at least wait until after he gets back from his trip to Ireland, which starts on Tuesday and ends on Friday. Meanwhile, potential contenders on the GOP side are on the move. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is making a round of out-of-state visit, including stops in New Hampshire and Ohio this week. And former President Trump, who's getting a lot of traction nowadays, is reportedly contending the latest indictment would carry him to the 2024 Republican nomination. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. More developments in Tennessee over the expulsion of two Democratic state lawmakers. The former lawmakers may soon return to the state house with the help of local governments. I would be honored to accept the appointment of the Shelby County Commission and to run in a special election. And I've already heard that people in uh, the state legislature and in Nashville are actually threatening our Shelby County commissioners to not reappoint me mm. or they're going to take away funding that's in the governor's budget for projects that the mayor and others have asked for. The Nashville City Council held a special meeting earlier today to reappoint former Tennessee House member Justin Jones to temporarily fill the open seat. The motion to reinstate Jones passed unanimously. The Shelby County Commission also plans to meet soon to decide what to do with the vacancy left by former lawmaker Justin J. Pearson. Commissioners could also reinstate him, but there will still be a special elections for both seats in the coming months. The two Democrats were expelled from the state house after leading gun control protesters into the state capitol during a session on March 30th. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Up next, the federal government might ignore a judge's ban on abortion pills. Some argue the government has the right to do that. Our reporter spoke with a legal expert to find out more. And the Supreme Court allows transgender people to keep competing in girls' school sports in West Virginia. Yet the case is far from over, says a lawyer connected to the proceedings. We'll have that and more coming up. Common abortion pill is banned, but officials are now indicating they could ignore that decision. Is that legal? NTD's Arian Pazdar explores the issue. A Texas judge on Friday suspended FDA approval of Mifepristone, the most used abortion pill. U.S. District Court Judge Matthew Kismarek wrote, Plaintiffs have credibly alleged past and future harm resulting from the removal of restrictions for chemical abortion drugs. The judge also criticized the FDA for approving the pills in the first place, even though the agency wasn't sure about the drug's safety. Kaz Merrick was appointed by former President Trump. 
On Monday morning, Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace told CNN that the government should ignore the judge's ruling. This thing should just be thrown out, quite frankly. So you think the FDA should ignore this? I would. Yes, I would. This is an issue that Republicans have been largely on the wrong side of. Um, we have, over the last nine months, not shown compassion towards women. She argues that the judge's ruling was unlawful, writing, a judge cited the Comstock Act from 1873, which was ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court of the United States. To find out more about that, I spoke with Sarah Perry, who's a legal expert focused on civil rights at the Heritage Foundation. What's your take on the congresswoman saying that the government should basically ignore the ruling? Well, I think actually she misunderstands the state of federal law. First of all, the defendants, the federal government has already filed its notice of appeal. So it's already being taken up by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And the law that she was citing is a law called the Comstock Act. But Congress has specifically and repeatedly reenacted the Comstock Act. The only provisions it's removed are provisions related to birth control, but in fact, all the provisions related to the abortion pill remain in effect. What's more, on Sunday night, the Secretary of Health and Human Services on CNN also suggested the FDA could ignore the court. But are, are you taking it off the table that uh, you will recommend the FDA ignore a ban? Everything is on the table. The president said that way back when the Dobbs decision came out. Every option is on the table. Perry told me that simply ignoring the judge's ruling would be a severe violation of separation of powers, since the FDA is part of the executive branch, while courts are the judicial branch. The White House on Monday commented on its appeal of the judge's ruling, saying it's prepared to fight this legal battle. The appeals court in question has a conservative majority. Erin Pastar, NTD News. And earlier today, the Justice Department and a manufacturer of Mifepristone asked a federal appeals court to put on hold Judge Kaczmarek's ruling. The requests were filed before the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and are seeking a short-term administrative stay as well as a long-term stay pending appeal of the lower court ruling. An administrative stay would give the appellate court more breathing room to consider whether Kaczmarek's ruling should be frozen while the litigation plays out. Judge Kaczmarek said his Friday night order would not go into effect for seven days to give the Justice Department time to appeal. The Justice Department is asking for the Fifth Circuit to act on its emergency request by noon on Thursday to, quote, enable the government to seek relief in the Supreme Court if necessary. And next to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Last week, the Supreme Court denied an emergency request to prevent people, children, born as male who identify as females from competing in girls' school sports in the state of West Virginia. Two years ago, the state passed the Save Women's Sports Act, but last year, the American Civil Liberties Union sued the state on behalf of 12-year-old Becky Pepper Jackson, a biological male who wants to compete on the girls' cross-country team. Until the court comes to a decision, though, the law has been suspended. We were very disappointed that the Supreme Court chose not to lift the injunction that the Fourth Circuit had placed on West Virginia's valid women's sports law. Christiana Kiefer is senior counsel for the legal group Alliance Defending Freedom, which helped back the Safe Women's Sports Act. 
She says the state originally passed the law because they simply didn't want to see men coming in and dominating women's sports competitions. And so they passed a law that does essentially what Title IX was designed to do, which is ensure that when a girl steps up to the starting line, that she knows that her race is going to be fair. She has an equal opportunity to win, to showcase her talents, to be on the podium, and to earn college scholarship opportunities. Lawyers for the 12-year-old Pepper Jackson have called the attempt to enforce the law a baseless and cruel effort, but Kiefer says the real victims are those who have to compete at a clear disadvantage. We have women's sports as a separate category for a very clear reason, and that's because there are real physical differences between the sexes that make it unfair to force female athletes to compete against a bigger, faster, and stronger male. Kiefer says that although the Supreme Court refused to lift the injunction, the case is proceeding as usual with oral arguments scheduled for later this year. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, no NBA games, but 13 baseball games are on and that includes a matchup of aces in New York as the Mets start three-time Cy Young winner Max Scherzer opposite San Diego's two-time runner-up Yu Darvish. And finally for you hockey fans, another big night in the NHL. 10 games on featuring the surging Florida Panthers who've won now six in a row and are battling the Rangers and Penguins for the final two playoff spots in the East. They host the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, over to you. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.